Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Uh, bit of a busy weekend there, Derek. Had a bunch of stuff going, and we went out and did something a bit different than normal. Yes, I was a late edition. I'm glad that we found out that they were taking late editions. Well, a few people, uh, I guess, couldn't make it, so they cancelled out. Uh, a while ago, there's a company called Committed to the Core. Uh, they're out of the east coast of Canada, Nova Scotia way. Uh, they do a lot of sea kayaking stuff, coaching, a lot of Paddle Canada coaching and stuff like certifications that. Right? Certifications and stuff, yeah, and that, your yeah. levels one through four. Uh, they were doing a little presentation at the Complete Paddler on the west side of Toronto. I keep wanting to say the east side, I don't know why. <laughs> they're on the west side because I'm on the east side. East side of Hamilton. Um, yeah, that's true. So they were on the west side of Toronto and uh, they were holding a little thing, uh, presentation, practical trip planning for sea kayakers. Uh, so if you're thinking about doing a day trip or longer trip, whatever, um, they basically give you a little rundown on things you got to think about if you're going to plan a, a, a sea kayak trip out of Nova Scotia. Yeah. Nova it, Scotia and Newfoundland, they did one little thing on Newfoundland. Yes, they did, yeah. Yeah. Showed a few videos. It, it, I got the impression it was uh, sort of like a advertising thing. They didn't charge any money for this session, which was no. kind of interesting, but it, they went through a lot of stuff. They uh, gave a lot of examples of how to plan a, a course and stuff, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But it was it was interesting to uh, to meet Christopher Lockyer. He's the... Uh, he's the owner of it. He's the owner. He uh, he created this, uh, this team core, this group. Now, it's committed to the core, uh, the two being the number two. Um, so, yeah, so we saw, I was just, we saw something on um, the Complete Paddler Facebook page saying, hey, you know, we got this event. If you're interested in going, get yourself a ticket. The tickets were free. So they just, you know, doing the old ticket thing so they know how many people are coming. Yeah, the price is right. Yeah, yeah, zero, zero dollars, like that. So I signed up for it. And uh, I guess there was a few people that were, um, dropped out and Derek thought it was during the day I guess and when I told him well people dropped out and it's in the evening he hopped on that like uh absolutely you know and uh yeah so we headed over uh it was 5 30 till 7 30 ish yeah ish. yeah yeah um so we sat out and they they just had a little screen set up where they you know he would uh, Chris put um videos up and photos up and stuff like that and as i said it was all geared around planning a trip out of nova scotia and he went over things you need to know when you're planning a trip stuff as a canoe tripper we sort of take for granted uh part of the part of the exercise was they break you into gr- four groups and there was what maybe 10 people per group yeah it was uh Eight to ten people. Yeah, per there group. was something yeah. like that. There was a large group of people there. Yeah, and you have to. He he gives you a scenario saying, "Here's where you're. Here's here's your nautical map. Here's the winds. Here's the swells. Here's uh, you know the weather for the day. Here's your tides. Yes, that sort of thing. There, there is a kicker for you. Um, now plan your day trip. And a lot of, I mean, being a, a canoe trip, I mean that really wasn't that big of a deal to do that sort of thing no this the stuff that we went through the exercise we did it's it's stuff that we're used to doing with our canoe trip planning Mm and 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 i guess we've like or i know i have so have you we've we've planned a few extensive trips yeah you plan you had to do a lot of planning for your woodland caribou trip and and you know it's uh it getting into it the only thing that threw a wrench into things and i hadn't you know i'm i'm from the east coast so i'm used to the tides and stuff but a lot of the group there they they were struck by, and they had a lot of time bring, wrapping their brains around the uh, the tides because it's not just rising and falling of water but it, the water move there's a lot of horizontal movement with mm-hmm. with tides right currents caught yeah. the entire time it's going out current so, the entire it's coming in yeah and so it was it was an interesting session it was a, it was eye opener it uh, like I, i'm i'm not used to planning east coast trips in a kayak i'm used to doing it on a sailboat so a lot of the similar things but there's not you're there's less risk right like Mm -hmm. with uh, with tides and tidal bores and currents and you know you you can come across a lot of uh risky situations if you're not prepared for it well the and the one yeah i mean they're talking the swells I mean, you're thinking, okay, well, you know, I'm going out on a big lake or something here, an inland yeah. lake. Well, you know, you got like a two foot swell or something. But you out got a two there, foot swell, and they're you know, like they're three seconds five, apart. Five, six, 
yeah. six feet. I mean, so five six. Uh, you, if you're in a trough of one of these bad boys, exactly. right? Yeah. So, and what's interesting too is like you know, like we see swells as in you know they're like three seconds between, and and he he did, gives a common measurement of twelve seconds between swells. So these are fairly large swells, yeah. but you know the ocean's kind of big. <laughs> well, and and the one he was talking about the one uh, one place there that if you're not paying attention to the winds and it starts blowing you off course yes you're on your way to africa yeah if you have an, <laughs> if you have a offshore wind and if you're on the uh, eastern shore of nova scotia an offshore wind will blow you off forever you're mm-hmm. going a long ways out so it's it's uh that one kind of caught me by surprise i was thinking oh yeah man if you get if you run into trouble lose your paddle or something the wind's just going to keep you keep drifting going. out You're to not, sea. Yeah. That's... It's a long way. It's not like, you know, oh, well, I'll just swim to the opposite shore. No, you're not swimming to the opposite yeah. shore. <laughs> well, they, he gave us nautical maps, which is fine. But um, you got the dark blue, you got the lighter blue, you got the white, you know, for like deep water. And there's green. Yes. Couldn't figure out what the green was. <laughs> so when we're, uh, we're lucky enough to have one of the guys that has paddled out there in our group. And we're sitting there, well, if you park here, you can launch from here. And he goes, well, that green is when the tide goes out, you're walking. And <laughs> where we, we were looking at one spot, oh, we'll be walking a ways. <laughs> <laughs> so, There's so like a kilometer that, of green. Yeah. yeah that, and it's, I mean, you know, you're doing inland paddling, you know, like in Ontario. You're not thinking about stuff yeah. like that, right? Yeah, exactly. So it really throws... Um, a wrench into your plans if you're not if you don't know any of that stuff. Well, he was talking when he for a, years ago when he first paddled up here in Ontario. They, uh, I think he was talking about Georgian Bay. He said everybody pulled up to the shore of Georgian Bay. The their kayaks and their gear went right on the shoreline, and everybody just walked away from their gear. And he's like, "Whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing?" But he's used to tides coming in and out, and you're gonna lose your stuff. Yeah. So he, he's like, "Oh." I guess you can just do that here. Do that here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you do it out there, you come back in a half hour and everything's gone. It's gone. We're underwater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, he went through a lot of things uh, like, you know, who do you leave a trip plan with when you go? Yes. What do you put on your trip plan? Uh, safety gear. Do you have a spot, cell phone, sat phone, a radio? Which a radio was a bit of a thing I've never really thought about. No, and it does make sense, and and I had thought about it. Uh, I never, I would never even, I would never do it here in Ontario. No, like not no. even Georgian Bay. But like I, I had, uh, when remember when we were talking about one uh, Fuqua Strait and Vancouver yep. Island and trip yep. planning there, and when we talked about that, I had started looking into prices for UHF and VHF radios because it's critically important to have some mm-hmm. uh, communication Especially on the water. you're drifting into Osh- uh, exactly. to Africa there. And, and the advantage also of the uh, of those marine radios is they have uh, weather radio, so the mm-hmm. marine forecasts for coastal areas. So it's it's a huge asset to have, right? And yeah. and it's just not something that you would think about having here in Ontario. No, and that's, that's the one big thing is weather is far more important out there. Oh yeah, to pay attention to. To pay attention Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean here, okay, a storm's coming in. We'll get to shore. We'll Huddling, get under yeah. some tree. Out there, I mean, some of the pictures he was showing there. Yeah. Know, and the fog. The fog rolls in. Yeah. Oh, the fog in yeah. your yeah. Growing yeah. up in uh, St. John, New Brunswick, I know all about the like that pea soup fog rolls in. And so, like, think about it. You're say a weather front's moving in, and you're on a. Uh, you know, like an area that I know best is like St. Martin's, New Brunswick, and there's a lot of cliffs there. If you have a weather front roll in, you may have like four hours of cliffs that you have to paddle past to yeah. get to the next spot, spot right? that you can get like off There might water. be a little tiny beaches here and there, but you, if you pull in on it, oh, well, I'm going to find safety on this little tiny beach under a cliff. Well, that beach might be underwater in two hours. Yeah. Right? So it, it takes a lot more planning, a lot more forethought. You have to really know what the weather's going to do for the day. And you have to plan around, like, the tides can draw you in or out, or you can there can be tidal rips that pull you away from shore. And if it's rough weather with a heavy swell, you can't hug the shore. Mm-hmm. It's too rough to hug the shore. So you have to go out a half a kilometer and stay offshore, and you're more at risk to uh, changing currents and tides and stuff. Yeah, it is is unbelievable. A lot the, more planning. <laughs> the extra things that you, we you have to think about. 
uh, when you're when you're dealing with something like that out there. I mean, you think about it. Yeah, you know, like I'm not going out there in a canoe, but you know, no, it'd be you, too you go out there in a, in a kayak. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, but then when you start listening to all, everything that he was talking about, it's like wow, it's a little daunting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are similarities between doing the sea kayaking thing out there and here. I mean, when it comes to, you know, you, you choose your route, you want an easy day paddling, yes. you want a difficult day, do you want to do some, you know, pictures, do you want to do some rock hopping? That was cool that to see. That is so neat. That was cool to see. Um, basically, there's massive rocks and the big waves come up and you ride the wave over the top of these rocks. Yes. And if the waves don't go quite far enough, you're stuck. Until the next wave On comes. top of these big rocks, <laughs> right? Like, we're, we're, yeah, I mean, it looks like Canadian Shield, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the next big wave comes and swooshes you off yeah. the other side and keeps if you going. If you're lucky. So, yeah, if you're lucky, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was actually, one of the guys in our group was actually in one of the videos. Oh, yes, yeah. And I, at one point, um, I had made a comment because there was a kayak stuck on the top of a rock. Yeah. And I go, yeah, that'd be me. And he goes, that was me. And I said, oh, you've paddled it there? He goes, no, no, that was actually me in the video. <laughs> I got stuck on the rock. I said, oh, I don't feel so bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you, same with, with the canoe trip and that. You plan your stops on your route for, you know, breaks, lunches, yeah. take photos and stuff like that. So the basic um, planning of it is pretty much the same. Yes, You've just got to make extra. You have to take precautions yeah. for for contingencies and and for distances. All the and waves for tides and, and winds. Tides. And... Yeah, th- that's what really throws a monkey yeah. wrench into it all. Otherwise, it'd be exactly the same. Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or, and and you know it, uh, it makes comparably like it makes everything I've done so far basically a day trip. Yeah. Right. It's like this here, like the. the the thought and forethought and planning that has to go into it and, and just, you have to really think around yourself. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time. So, uh, yeah, so we did that. Like I say, it was the practical trip planning for sea kayaks, uh, by committed to the core. Christopher Lockyer owns the company and he's putting out these little things. Um, we went out afterwards and had a beverage at uh, a local watering hole there, met a, met some of the people that we were doing the course with. And, uh, yeah, really a great group of people. Um, it was fun. Uh, in my group there, you know, when I started saying, oh, you know, you're, you're looking at this, you're looking at that, you wind behind you, so you want to hit this way going out, come around the islands and hop back. And they're looking, well, yeah, 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 you must have done this. And I'm like, no, I'm a canoe tripper. And then everybody <laughs> just sort of stops and looks at you. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing here? <laughs> I, I felt like a spy. There's <laughs> a canoe tripper among us. <laughs> And, uh, but no, they're really nice people and, and got along well. Um, as I said, we, we did this at, uh, the, uh, complete paddler and, uh, Kelly who owns it, uh, he put, uh, the space available to, to do this. We are actually chatting with Kelly to go meet up with him and do a show there yes. about some interesting stuff he's got coming up for the summer. Absolutely. So I'm that's, excited that's for that. something we'll, uh, yeah, definitely got to keep your ears open for. Uh, if you are interested in practical navigation for sea kayaking, they have uh, at the Complete Paddler again, Christopher's coming back, and he has an upcoming course on March 3rd, Practical Navigation, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, check out the Complete Paddler Facebook page or go to committed to the core dot, is it dot com, I do believe. Yeah, it's dot com. Yeah. Go to committed to the core dot com and you'll find information there. Uh, you can sign up again for the event and whatnot. Um, this one there is a charge though, so check all that uh, out. And um, yeah, you know what? I definitely do something like this again. Had a great time, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to meeting up with Kelly and uh, chatting about a few things. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we are going to chat with somebody on the phone. Perfect. Somebody who's We've been... Friend of the show. Yeah, we've had him on here before. So keep your ears open here and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dark Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website 
where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. Uh, we've got somebody on our phone this evening, a friend of ours that we've had on the show a couple times before. Uh, we've had him on the fo- uh, show and he's talked about what he usually does, uh, and that's Cedar Strip Canoes. Yes. Um, he, we usually, you know, talk to him about that sort of thing. We've had him on the show as a surprise guest, much to his surprise. Yep. And uh, we've got him on for something completely, well, sort of, yeah, completely different this evening. We're talking about our friend Mike Burns from Windsor, Ontario. Welcome hey. again, friend of the show, Mike Burns. How's it going, Mikey? Excellent. How are you guys doing? Not too shabby. Fantastic. Good, good, good. We are going to talk to you today about not a cedar strip canoe, but a skin on frame canoe. Yes. Because you're making one of those uh, this winter. Now, yep. we, we've been to your shop to, to see everything, and yeah, we're, there's some jealousy on this side. Um, because it's just not a nice little dainty little shop. This thing's pretty heavy duty. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're jealous on this end. That's yes, for sure. absolutely. Um, but yeah, you've, you've made some really nice, uh, cedar strip canoes in the past and this year you decided to, uh, switch up a bit, right? That's right. Yep. Yep. So tell us about the projects you've got and let's start with why you're doing it. Okay. Uh, one minute first though. Hold on a minute. Can sure. you hear this? Hear that? <laughs> sounds, sounds, sounds like a beer. Yeah, that's an outlaw beer, uh, beer bandit, dark ale. And I figured that, you know, Derek always brings you guys uh, beers to have during your show, so I thought I'd, you know, take part. Well, I have one on my end. Awesome. <laughs> Cheers, Mike. You, you know our show too well. We're sipping <laughs> on a little bit of this uh, Sapporo this evening. Yeah, the fine that's premium a good choice, beer. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, how I uh, came up across uh, building this type of canoe was uh, I was with Derek in June. We were up at uh, Gonquin Park, Ontario there, um, for the 150 canoe event. For oh, the, the 150 for 150. And there was, uh, you know, there were 150 canoes there, and we did the event. We come to the beach, and there's a bunch of, uh, you know, suppliers and local guys, and there's this guy, gentleman there, John, from Backcountry Custom Canoes. Right. He was there, had his uh, canoes on display. And I sort of knew of skin on canoe canoes, but i never seen them up close. So, you know, I wandered over and I said, you know, it was a wow moment. It was just extraordinary. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, looking at it, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't take any pictures. Of it. I just, wow, that's nice, you know. And I just walked away and uh, it'd be nice to build one of those maybe in the future. But, and then during the summer, I decided, no, I'm going to take a stab at building it. So, you know, John, you know, he makes a living making his his canoes, and they're, you know, he's a true craftsman, and yeah. he's built so many, and, and he built them so fast, and, uh, you know, he has no plans, he just, you know, but he's got all different styles, and he makes kayaks, too. So, uh, yeah, I uh, decided to uh, give it a try. Yeah, so, but there's uh, no real plans around here, so, you know, uh, of course, John custom makes them, and his canoes, so I, you know, I just started uh, punching at the keyboard, did some Googling, and uh, came across some of the designs that are uh, from Maine, and uh, I purchased a set of uh, plans to get, you know, just started at it, you know, get my okay. feet wet kind of thing. Great. Yeah. So what's the design? What's the model of canoe that you picked? So uh, this, 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 uh, this, this canoe here is called a Snowshoe Explorer 14, and so it's only 14 feet long. So it's not very long, but it's it's quite wider than my other solo canoes. My other solo canoes are like 28, 29 inches wide. Mm-hmm. This is like 36. Ooh. So that being said, it, it can hold a lot more weight. It says a capacity of 450 pounds, which for a 14-footer, I thought that was pretty impressive. So you got to lose some weight then. 
and uh, you know the designs say you know when it's done 30 pounds now that 30 pounds I don't know if that includes seats or if that's just bare bones you know here's your canoe and but no seats so uh, the weight I don't know we'll see how it comes because my other solo canoes I built you know I got into the 40 pound range yeah I'm ho- I was hoping also to make a you know canoe a lot lighter than my cedar strippers hence the skin on frame thing yeah, yeah, that's that's a big thing. Yeah. Is most people do the the cedar strippers, right? Yeah, that, that's uh, right. Yeah, ninety nine point nine percent of the people that's what they're building if they're building something. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, I find that in the states they're building a lot of these all over the United States. They've seen very, uh, yeah. But I, in the Ontario side, I haven't seen two other. You know, besides John, I don't know who else is making them. I think I've only seen you and one other guy actually uh, posting that you're making one this year. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm not sure if he's got the um, mm-hmm. the bug from uh, seeing John or not as as well. Yeah. Now this canoe too, it's it's covered with a fabric that's called uh, Daycron. Uh, now Daycron is uh, they use it on airplane wings, like you know the crop the <laughs> the uh, crop dusters. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Old, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you know, and then they cover the wings with those with this material. Um, the other material that people will be using, like John uses, the ballistic uh, nylon, and it's a tougher, heavier material. Now, both materials, you drape it over your canoe, and then you use a heat iron, and you shrink it. It shrinks like 10 or 15% right. over the frame of the canoe. So you just drape the material over the canoe, and you staple it around the gunnels, and then you work it with the iron, and it, it'll shrink it on and make it tight, you know? Oh, Okay. What made That's you cool. choose the Dacron over the ballistic nylon? Is just is was it weight or was it cost or what well, was it? Well, I purchased the design, and this design uh, they also sell a kit. Oh, okay. So I well, you know, because um, I did find some ballistic nylon suppliers in Canada, and and uh, but I so these plans came with a kit, or the, you know, a kit was extra, of course, and uh, so they used the uh, Dacron. Okay. Uh, in this case, so I just bought the kit, and the kit is basically just material, um, and it comes with some uh, adhesive tape that you uh, adhere the uh, fabric to the gunnels before you stretch it on, and that's about it. And the plans were separate, so the plans were around sixty dollars. Um, the kit was one hundred and twenty dollars, and then then you got to buy the wood yourself, right? You got to source out the wood yourself. What wood are you using for it? Now the wood that's used, I'm using in this case, all the long pieces that go from stem to stem. Uh, those it's uh, Douglas fir. Oh. Uh, yeah, and this this design here is really thin frame. It's like a model airplane almost. Like it's really it's like a stick frame. It's really, uh, you know, John's canoes. His got big thick members on it and yep. less wood. This has very small. Bits and pieces on it. So, like the old balsa wood airplanes you modeled yeah, used to yeah. make as a kid. So, yeah, so the, the stringers are all balsam fir. Uh, the gunnels are balsam fir. Uh, the stems I made out of uh, uh, spruce. Um, and then uh, all the ribs are made out of uh, white ash. Because you have to steam bend the. Uh, so, is it easy to get place. ash nowadays with the, uh, with the ash borer beetle? Or is it yeah. like, what's, what's yeah, it when like? I went to purchase the ash. You know, before, you know, everyone, it was easy to get ash. Now they have to ship the, the ash in from outside of Michigan from somewhere, and it's quite expensive now. It's, it's almost like buying oak. Like it's, it's not wow. cheap anymore because it's, it's huh. hard to get. Well, so, you're finding uh, it's easy enough to work with, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ash is good for steam bending, um, but it's the best to, to uh, use ash if it's green because if you steam bend it, it it'll uh, steam and bend more evenly. Yeah, so right. you don't want kiln dried or anything. Yeah, so I had no choice. I couldn't find any sources of, uh, you know, some local sawmills. You know, there's no ash around here, so um, so I, I did buy the uh, the kiln dried uh, ash, and I did have some problems because it wouldn't steam and bend as nice as if it was green. Right. Uh, my ribs are very thin, though. They're only one quarter thick by five eighths. Oh, wow. So being so small or so thin, I knew I could steam them, you know, with a little more care than normal. Yeah, and you I just use the um, the steam, uh, the tube steam thing, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And this uh, design, too, all the all the uh, intersection joints, 
um, there's 21 ribs and then all the stringers. So there's 273 joints that you, that you would have to glue in his design that I purchased. Now, they use it epoxy, and they're just gluing all these joints. Now, this canoe flexes a lot, and then I saw a lot of other designs, and John does it too, like some backcountry custom canoes. He lashes all his joints, and the lashing ties all the wood together really tight and allows it to move around a bit. Right. And I was figuring that epoxy and the way the wood will move, like I just didn't trust it. I figured it might have some joints that you know, pop off once in a while. So, so I spent the time to lash all those joints. Now, when you're I, saying lash them, you're like putting string or something around or what? Yeah, it's a artificial sinew. You can buy it just at uh, Michael's okay. uh, craft store. So it'll shrink. And it's just a matter of uh, crisscross and hatching and tying around each joint with, uh, you know, four or five times around and you just tie it off. And okay. you can pull this stuff. As, I can pull it as tight as, or, you know, as hard as I want it. I could never snap it. It's really, really tough stuff. It's kind of waxy. Right. And it stretches, or not really stretches, it just it slides, and you can just really give her and, and uh, get a nice tight joint. It just pulls all the wood together really nice. 273 so I got all, times. Uh, on this canoe so far, it's just all lashed together. Wow. Yeah, yeah. so it's taking a long time just doing that. There's 25, 30 hours just for me to lash. You know, it's a learning curve, too. I, you know, I'm not no pro at it, so I'm just, you know, you know take my time and... It's getting oh, yeah. faster by the end. <laughs> well, I mean, you 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 had to do that when you first started doing the cedar strip canoes, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's always that learning curve. Yeah. 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 So at this point now, I'm working on the gunnels. Uh, it's a two-piece gunnel. There's an inner and there's an outer, and there's a space in between with blocks, right. and it stiffens up the canoe. Yeah. And uh, once my gunnels are all glued in place, sanded, then I can work on the decks and. And then the, this design shows two seats. I can put one seat on. I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet. I want to, another thing, I, I plan on taking this canoe on a lot of solo trips with my dog. Right. So I called, or not called, I emailed the uh, the designer. I said, hey, you know, <laughs> how's the dog's nails on this fabric? You're going to have that canoe, or the uh, dog jumping in and out of the canoe, and uh, I don't want to. Her nails ripping up the material. They said, no, no, it shouldn't be a problem. Well, that's <laughs> good. Buy her boots. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, he said in his email, says, just bring some duct tape. The duct tape works wonders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the last thing you want to hear. Yeah. How yeah, no no problems at all as long as you got duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, Daycron, too, is weaker a little bit more than the Ballistic Nylon. Ballistic Nylon, you can... Uh, like, I don't know if uh, Camper Christina that was on your show, she's uh, John's canoe. Yeah, she's one season. of the ambassadors for him. And she beat the crap out of that thing, and she was dragging over beaver dams and running up onto the shores, and, uh, you know, she's got a bunch of videos on her. And uh, you can just, and that stuff just wouldn't wouldn't stop. It just was awesome. It, and, but this stuff here, it says you can hit it with a rock, get like a blunt force. Yeah. But they said if you come into sharp, sharp rocks or <laughs> or, uh, you know, sticks that are protruding out of the water you might want to take more care yeah so um i guess you know if i'll take it out and if i destroy it i just rip it off and buy some ballistic nylon and wrap it with uh, nylon so well that's uh, a good thing about that right yeah this yeah the, yeah this stuff here uh, and it's a fabric and once you put it on you have to coat it with a um a varnish or a polyurethane um or you know just to seal the fabric so it doesn't leak right and same goes with the ballistic nylon. You also have to seal the cloth, so otherwise it'll leak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of things different between this and your cedar strips. Yes, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, realistically, now, you're, are you building it on a mold like you did the cedar strips? Yeah, it's, it's the same, okay. uh, almost the same thing as uh, being a, uh, building a cedar stripper. You uh, build it up on the mold stations. Uh, there's not as many mold stations because... You're just bending the wood across, you know, uh, and you let the wood um, make the curve of the, the, you know, the canoe, and it, yeah. it doesn't have to be as precise. So, uh, but yeah, you're making it upside down, mold stations, and then you, you know, you, you get all your joints and everything lashed together. Then you take it off the mold stations, turn it upside down, and do the rest of your wood trim, you know, the gunnels and stuff. Uh, the best thing, of, you know. Right now, I'm looking at it, and I'm just gluing on the gunnels. And, uh, you know, if I was building a cedar stripper now, I'd be, you know, once it's all uh, stripped, then you got to 
fair all the uh, you, you got to sand it all down. Yep. And then before you roll it over, you have to put the fiberglass epoxy. Then you have to sand the epoxy. Uh, you know, and and that's before you can roll it over. And then you got to do the inside. So. <laughs> I'm, so- this should take like one quarter or one third of the time as a cedar stripper then. Yeah, yeah. If I was, you know, a, a pro at it, I'm sure I could build it. Uh, let's see, the plans actually say uh, 70 hours. I think the plans say that you can do it in 70 hours. But they were epoxying the uh, joints as well. They weren't. Yeah, them. yeah. He's saying 70, but, you know, I spent 25 hours just slashing joints, <laughs> but I think yeah. a lot longer. Um, you know, a cedar stripper is anywhere from 100 to. You know, depending on how you do it, to 300 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be, you know, taking my time. I'll be probably 150 hours. <laughs> yeah, you can make, make, yeah, two of those in the time it would take to uh, yeah. do a cedar stripper. Yeah. I'm trying to build it light, too, so I'm, I don't know, I'm, yeah, I spend a little bit more time, and I'm getting a little picky on some of the wood joints and stuff, but. That's, that's might as well. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. it and learn all the little kinks and everything like that. Yeah. Now, it, is there some main differences you're finding between the skin-on frame and the the cedar strip? Like when it comes to, um, like the seats, the floors, the ribs, gunnels, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, well, I say the gunnels are a little different. Um, and this design, it's a two-piece. There's the inner and outer, and the space in between. Uh, it's not like a big sickle, like on cedar strippers have a nice big uh, ash gunnel. Right. So these are more uh, a little bit center. Um, then after you wrap it with the material, then there's an out. Then you add another strip of wood on the gunnel, so um, it's almost actually three pieces at that point. Um, and then uh, I'll be running a kilson or a, a strip down the center to help protect it for hidden rocks. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just so much. I find it like you know, it's more rewarding. It's almost so fast right now. Like you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it is. It is a lot faster than than doing your your cedar strips. That's for sure. Yeah. And yeah. you're saying it's what if 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 you had the same experience building this type as you do with your cedar strips, mm-hmm. you would you would say this is a lot easier. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, hands down, absolutely hands down. Because uh, the fiberglass and the epoxy, right? You, you need someone to come and help you put the epoxy on it, and then you know you're, there's a team of people mixing and putting it on, and then you got to you got to keep it, you know, you got to keep a, your eye on the clock and you got to, you know, work with the epoxy within a certain time frame. Right. And, you know, this here, <laughs> uh, there's no uh, big incidents where you could destroy the whole project. Another thing that's different on this one here is because uh, uh, of the fabric and, you know, you go to step in the canoe, the cedar stripper is kind of bulletproof, right? Or not bulletproof, but you can just step in it anywhere. This is the fabric, right? Yeah. So when you step in it, you have to... Uh, up on one of the ribs so you don't put, put you know you don't put stress on the material um this design that i bought they show some quarter inch thick like floorboards right so um there's like four that you put across along the bottom just the bottom not along the sides just you know right oh, where, something where you're yeah. putting your feet and stuff like that yeah just about maybe a foot per side okay in the center and just enough though you know you throw your pack down you can put your foot down and, uh, you know, and your dog, hopefully, will yeah. <laughs> step on the floorboards. <laughs> well, I mean, if you can get the dog to sit on the floorboards, then, like, yeah. you know, I mean, you can put some from your, your seat forward yeah. sort of thing. Well, I was thinking uh, when I take uh, my dog Willow in the spring, I'll uh, bring a, a foam pad or something, you know. Right. And I'll just uh, fasten that or put it on the bottom of the canoe and, you know, she can jump on that. So. Right. Well, that sounds easy worried. enough. Now, this is uh, you. You're making this primarily as a solo canoe. Are you going to be able to use it as a uh, two-person canoe as well? Well, that's you know, actually, I was having a, a fight with myself today to decide if I'm going to put two seats or one seat. Um, At 14 <laughs> you know, it, feet, it's, though, uh, like I say, my canoe is 14 feet wide. So being a solo, it's kind of wide, right? The, yeah. The paddling, um, but I'm trying to keep the weight down on purpose. So I'm, I think I will go with a one seat. Okay. And. Uh, um, Chances my wife not going in with the canoe with me <laughs> free swim anyway. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're just I, trying to yeah. uh, beat the weight of my osprey, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it, your osprey? Is it's like 31 or something? 31, yeah, yeah. Now, have you paddled one of these canoes before? No, uh, no, I haven't. So you, there's a chance you're going to jump into this and absolutely hate it. Well, that's just it. It might, it might be too flexy for me. It might be 
um, yeah, because I, I like to go fast and steady and, you know, I stroke hard and uh, maybe this canoe just won't be able to handle all my power, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well I'll, I'll take it the might canoe. Be, it'll make a nice lampshade, you know, put up in the, in the house there, put you, a light under it. If you don't like the <laughs> canoe, you can give it to me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Turn it upside down, hang it from yep. the ceiling, add some nice fluorescence under there, some LED lights or something. Yeah, it'd be yeah. perfect as a yeah. light. Yeah. <laughs> this design says it here. It's, season, it's supposed to be uh, really fast and uh, good in the rough water, so <laughs> we'll see. Well, uh, Camber Christina, when we were out, um, uh, I was in yeah. my Osprey, and she was in her um, skin-on-frame from, from Backcountry Custom. Yeah. And she had, Now, she had the, the kayak paddle. Did she have the kayak paddle out? Yes, she uh, did. Yes, she did. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the Osprey, I had no problems paddling. Um, no. But, yeah, with something like that, like, she was she was motoring along for fairly well with the... Uh, but she also had trouble in wind. In the wind, yeah. Because it yeah, was so yeah, light, she had trouble... Yeah, down the bow, yeah. right? The, kind of well, you had to put a bag of water at the front. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I don't... Um, yeah, the, uh, was that two seats or that? I think... No, there was just no, was, she only had the one. She... Really oh no! Yeah, seats. yeah. She didn't really have any seats. She sort of sat in the bottom. Sort yeah, of thing, sat right? on the bottom of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll probably design it all. Yeah, I'll have to throw the pack up front. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be uh, kind of catchy in the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, I plan on. I'm not sure I'll, where I'm going in the spring. Uh, first week in May, I'm going to be trying her out. So. Uh, We'll see. <laughs> I, I hear uh, Lake Erie's good this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, too many ice flows right now. But, <laughs> no, she won't see Lake Erie. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were, I remember years ago you were talking about your uh, cedar strip and whatnot and how much it costs. Yes. Um, if you bought a cedar strip kit, yeah. all the wood and all that, you're looking at 1500 to 2000 somewhere in there, yeah? bought all the strips all pre-made and everything yeah um, um yeah you're looking around the 1500 well two thousand dollars for sure i think with a whole kit with all the pre-made strips and everything um if you buy if you do the cedar stripper uh bare bones like you're buying you're sourcing all the wood yourself uh the epoxy and the fiberglass kits like six hundred dollars um, um you know it's a fixed price and you're not going to get much cheaper than that and then you know you get to buy all your your wood and miscellaneous right. stuff. So, uh, cedar stripper. If you do everything yourself, you know the wood uh, strips and all that. You can make it for maybe under a thousand dollars for a sixteen footer, and up to maybe twelve, thirteen hundred dollars, depending on how pricey your wood is locally, wherever you're buying your wood. Right now, what about this one? The oh, skin this on one very easily under five hundred dollars. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably a little bit less than that. Yeah. So you're saving like you're doing it in like one quarter of the time, yeah. and you're you're saving like easily mm-hmm. half or more of the expense. Yeah, I figure I'm saving it myself. My other cedar strippers, uh, I spent well over a thousand dollars, approaching thirteen, fourteen hundred. So yeah, I'm saving money for sure uh, making this design. Yeah, huh, well, cool. So you can yeah. get two to three of these for the price of one of yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how many do you have? You've got what, four or three uh, cedar strippers? Uh, three. Yeah, the two uh, three polo uh, upgrades and uh, the one eighteen footer uh, Winnisk, the one that uh, Derek broke his. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> his butt. <laughs> <laughs> so you can have like ten of these to to your your three. <laughs> you can have a whole. You can have one for every day of the week. Yeah. And two for the weekends. Yeah, yeah. I'm not selling on just. Uh, <laughs> call me canoe collector maybe i don't know yeah, <laughs> that's your, all right nothing wrong with that man you can build yourself a kayak uh yeah we'll see <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're gonna have to buy yourself build yourself another shed just to store your uh, canoes yeah it's getting a little tight in there now for sure <laughs> i say because a lot of people uh put these up in the, the walls inside their house in the winter time and they put a little light under there and it's like a lampshade it really is yeah <laughs> I told that to my wife. She said, uh, no. You're not happening, buddy. <laughs> not happening. You could build a smaller version as a lampshade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you've, when you've been doing all this so far, mm-hmm. have you ever have you had any major difficulties? Um, no, not really. Um, it's gone pretty smooth. Knock um, on wood. <laughs> <laughs> Wait yeah, for the um, so far. 
yeah, it's, it's like a learning curve. It's going, you know, I spend a little bit every day. I think about the next process, and then I'll try to make it better or change things up and stuff, you know. Um, yeah, it's going really good, actually. Just taking lots of notes so you know exactly yeah, what you did last I'm already time. Uh, have plans for next year. Like, uh, I'm definitely making another one next year. I'm going to use ballistic nylon, and I'm going to make a custom, uh, uh, a narrow, longer one. Right. You know, because this one seems a little bit wide and short. So okay. I do want to make another one, and I'm going to, yeah, do things quite differently. Ooh, but definitely have some ribs. But uh, being so I'll wide, use material. I'll hopefully, find some green lumber locally so I can see yeah. it a little bit better. I did have three or four ribs snap on me, you know. Uh, so there's a little bit of learning curve there. Just yeah, being as wide as it is, though, it should be. When you're doing that many, uh, you know. <laughs> being as wide as it should be more stable, though, right? You with the 36 inch uh, the waist there, it uh, should be quite a stable canoe. Yeah, I'm thinking because yeah, my Ospreys are just 28 inches, and you know you step two inches or one inch off the center and you're, you're going to go over it and um when i you go you read the website there and say yeah you might want to be careful when you step in it would be a little unstable i'm like i don't think so i think yeah. it's so freaking wide yeah <laughs> and it, there's only one inch rocker on this thing wow. so you know it i don't know how good it's going to well it's only 14 feet so it should steer okay but yeah it's only one inch rocker on it well it yeah. sounds like you're having a good time doing this Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it gets me out of the house every night. <laughs> well, no, no, it's, it's been awesome so far. So so uh, the last thing here before we let you go and get on with your evening, because I know you you got lots to do. Yeah, um, this is beer, too. you got to finish, yeah, you got to finish your beer. Yeah. Uh, are you expecting any issues when it comes to covering? Because you say you just, you just tack it down and then you heat it, right? Yes. Uh, the only thing... With this material, that because because I lashed the joints, and this artificial sinew is is a little bit proud of the wood because you're actually over, you know, you're wrapping it around the wood several times. Yeah. So um, I know the ballistic nylon goes right on top of the lash joints, no problem. And if you look at like you know uh, the outside of them, you can actually see the joints, or you can see the lashing through the material because it's kind of translucent. Right. So on um, this Dacron, I'm a little concerned because the design doesn't call for, you know, lashing or anything, glue the joints, so all the outside of the, the joints are smooth, right? And now i got this lash and that the material is going to stretch over. Mm-hmm. And then if you're, you know, going over a log or something, you know, just then you're, you know, it's going to skip, skip, skip. I wonder how it's going to, I don't know how that's going to work. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> it could be a surprise. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a surprise. <laughs> but yeah, that's the only thing I'm a little concerned about. And, uh, yeah, that's now, it. <laughs> question, like, I don't know if you know this one or not. Could you put a second layer of the Dacron over the first layer? Yes, you can. To make it a bit more... No, you actually can. Um, actually, the the instructions, I was reading it just uh, before you guys called me there. And, uh, yes, you, they say you can toughen this up by putting a second la- layer on. Oh. Yeah. Well, that might so, be a, uh, a good option. Yeah, you're you're smarty smarty. I know. I'm using my <laughs> smarticle particles, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Mike, it uh, it definitely sounds like you're having a blast uh, making this boat. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, it uh, makes the winter go by a little quicker. You know, in between our winter camping trips here and there, and uh, it's just nice to work on it and think about where am I going to take it in the spring, right? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's. I mean, you used to do that with your cedar strip canoes, and uh, yeah, exactly. Now you're doing these ones. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been uh, four or five years since I built one, so it's you know, well overdue. It's well, about yes, time, exactly. buddy. It's yeah. about time. You slacker. Yeah, slacker. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, oh, i got to make a yoke, too, for this thing. I just forgot about that. Son of a gun. Oh, it's more work now. It means he's got to spend an extra couple of days or a week out in the garage. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. If, uh, you know, it's going to be a solo canoe, i got to... Uh, make a removable yoke, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. then I got to come up with a way to take it on and off. If I put two seats in, I can just put a yoke right down the center and keep it there for good. So ah, decisions. <laughs> oh, your life is so difficult. God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fall asleep tonight. Now <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be up all night. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, thanks, Mike, for uh, coming on and uh, filling us in on your project so far. We're yeah, uh, yeah. I'll have to keep in touch and. Uh, <laughs> See how things go when I 
get the uh, fabric on her. Yes. Yeah, we're we're just hoping we don't get it. Well, it's in pieces on the floor because I got ticked off and <laughs> had enough of this. <laughs> yeah. Firewood. Yeah, it's firewood now. Yeah. How how firewood, bad? Yeah. How good does one of those burn? <laughs> oh, this thing will go up quick. <laughs> well, <it's> kiln dried. <laughs> it <laughs> old Viking funeral, my friend. <laughs> well, we'll let you go, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Okay. Thanks. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing and seeing this yeah. boat in action. Yeah. Awesome. All right, you take it easy, man. Thanks a lot. All right, talk to you later, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Sean Rowley, and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, We would love to hear from you, so drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. Hey, we're looking at the list here, Derek, what we got in front of us. Uh, there's a whole pant load worth of stuff coming up uh, in events we this have, next couple months. Eh? We have quite a few upcoming events between now and, uh, and spring. So uh, I, I guess we'll just get right into it. Uh, on Family Day weekend, Winter in the Wild at Mew Lake in Algonquin Park. That's going to be going on Family Day weekend. And uh, I will Sean, be there. You're going to be there. I will be there. And unfortunately, I can't. Well, it depends. Lucky for you, I booked the campsite. That's what I'm thinking. Campsite. I'm for who. <laughs> <laughs> I booked the campsite, yeah. and Sean's using my campsite. <laughs> yeah, so I will I will, I will. will be there that weekend. Yes, you're going to be testing out your new setup. Your my new, new tent, yeah. What new is hot it? hot tent. Esker hot tent. Esker cl- hot tent, uh, the classic. 10x10 yes. 10 classic. It'll be a good trial session. It will be. <laughs> as well on that weekend in Ottawa, and like we just talked about earlier, the Committed to the Core uh, Sea Kayaking courses. So they're going to be holding a Ottawa area navigation session. And this is going to teach you how to do uh, recognize stuff off of uh, marine charts and how to use dead reckoning skills and piloting skills. So that's... Uh, that's going to be, uh, if you go to the Committed to the Core website under shop, you'll, you'll find all the details of their ses- upcoming sessions. So they have one there on February 17th and one in the Toronto area at the Complete Paddler on March 3rd. And again, I'm not going to give you the details here. You can go on the website, uh, Committed to the Core, under the shopping section and, and see what they have for you. This is a great course. I wish I was available to take the course. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekend of February 23rd through 25th is the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show at the Toronto, in, Toronto International Center. Which I'll be wandering around. Yeah, it's another event that I can't <laughs> go to. And then on March 3rd at Michigan State University is the Quiet Water Symposium. And I believe you're going to try to Which I should to, be wandering around. And I can't go to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only going because there's a big rabbit show there, too. <laughs> I wanted to go. I wish I could have gone, but I got other plans. <laughs> and then March 9th through 11 is Canoe Copia at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin. And this is one we had wanted to go I to. wanted to go to this one, this, and uh, not unfortunately not going to be able to make it. I, I'm available for this one, but I'm not going to go alone. <laughs> it's too far. <laughs> And then we have the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium, Saturday, April 7th at the Theatre of the Arts Building, University of Waterloo. And, and we're we are both, both there. I haven't bought tickets yet. You know why we're both there? Because we're we sponsors. are a sponsor of the event. There you go. But I got to buy tickets. I keep forgetting. Tickets, tickets, who needs tickets? Yes. <laughs> and the last thing on my list is the Ottawa Outdoor Adventure Show, April 20th through 22nd at the EY Centre. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may be. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I don't think I'll be going to that. Yeah. Well, I got family in the area, and there's oh, a free go. lunch yeah. in it for me, so. <laughs> oh, <that's> perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that. 
So, um, one of the reasons uh, we started this podcast radio show, it was a radio show turned podcast, was to expand our horizons when it comes to paddling. So, being able to get out with these guys uh, at the kayaking um, seminar was was perfect. It was oh, really, it was really nice. It was to be an able awesome to do event. That. It was an eye opener, really. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, I get to get to meet some nice people and whatnot. Uh, it's really nice to chat with Mikey and see him working on his new. Uh, uh, project. Yes. That's really cool. I can't wait till he builds me one next winter. You sure you'd have enough time to build two or three next winter. Exactly. So there'll be one for you and one for me yep. and a new one for him. Are you listening, Mike? Yeah, Mike. You listening, <laughs> buddy? <laughs> well, we're taking orders now. Um, yeah, it's, it's really nice to uh, see all that. So if you want to find out more about us... You can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are pretty cool. we got a lot of stuff on there. We, uh, we, we're getting a lot of traffic. Yeah. Uh, if you want to listen to us, you can listen to us Thursdays on, well, it's when the new episodes are up, uh, iTunes, Google Play, as well as our episode page on our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. Uh, you can listen to them anytime, our, our uh, episodes on any of those as well. They're always there for download and streaming live. Uh, and I think that's about it for this week's show. Yes. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And until next time, I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.